Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our worship on Sunday the 11th of October, Harvest Sunday. Our Harvest Thanksgiving service usually gives us the opportunity to contribute to PCI's United Appeal for Mission. The United Appeal supports very broadly the outreach work of our church at home and abroad. Thank you if you've already given to that. If you would still like to give, envelopes are available in the free will offering packs. They're the white envelope. Your support and your generosity are greatly appreciated. Let us come and worship God. Some words from Psalm 67. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. And a promise of God from the book of Genesis as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest will never cease. Let us pray. Lord, we come today with praise and thanksgiving. With joy and celebration we come to worship you. We come because you are Lord of the harvest and you are worthy to receive our thanks and praise. We thank you for the different harvests around us for the harvest of the farm and the harvest of the sea, for the harvest from the garden and the harvest from under the ground, the harvest of things that are made in factories, and for the harvest of power that we use in our homes. For those whose harvest of love and care fills us with thankfulness and praise. We thank you for Jesus, And the love that he has given us and the way that he helps us to love one another and to care for your world. For reminding us that everything we see and hear belongs to you and is the harvest of your loving will. We bring to you today our harvest of worship and thanksgiving and praise. Lord, for the times we lose sight of your blessings and forget to give thanks for our daily bread and the simple pleasures of sharing food. When we're seduced by the false promises of a consumer culture, forgive us. For the ways we build ever bigger barns and store up our wealth and worry about tomorrow without heeding the needs of the world today, forgive us, we pray. For the things that dull our reactions so that we can read stories of hardship and poverty without feeling moved or provoked or anything very much at all, forgive us, Lord. And in the knowledge that in Jesus our sins are forgiven, inspire us with your kind and generous love to build a world where all have enough. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Our Bible reading for this morning is taken from the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2 and verses 1 to 23. Let us hear the word of God. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the woman who worked for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the woman. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the, from the water jars that the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you should notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she'd eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law 
about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the woman who worked for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the woman of Boaz, to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. Well, this year in our church, we don't have quite the usual levels of harvest decoration, although we do have one or two little reminders of harvest in the church building. I wonder what kind of picture comes to your mind when you think of harvest. If you're at home today, you're going to have to use your imagination. But for me, it's the wheat harvest that is pictured by John Constable, one of his paintings painted around the time 1815. You can tell it's painted at that time because there's no mechanisation, no machines. Instead, young and old men and women are all lending a hand. Far in the background are the harvesters working away with their size. A little more to the foreground is a group of young women gleaning at the edge of the field the bits of wheat that have been missed. Even the little boy in the foreground has a job to do of guarding the lunch from being eaten perhaps by mice or any other creatures living in or around the fields. It's an idyllic picture of the harvest, a picture that uh, Raymond would probably tell us is very different from the reality of gathering in nowadays in Northern Ireland between the unpredictable spells of bad weather. The short little book of Ruth in the Bible I always think of as an idyllic harvest story with a bit of romance thrown in as well. I don't know how familiar you are with the story of Ruth. It's well worth a read because there are many issues raised in the book of Ruth that are very current and lots of things in it that demand a closer look. The first character to be named in the book is Elimelech. Now, you probably know that names in the Bible were often quite important. And Elimelech's name means, my God is king. And that's significant because this story is set at a time in the people of Israel's history when they didn't yet have a king to rule over them. What we know as the period of the Judges. And if you read the book of Judges, you'll find that as you go through it, society just descends further and further and further into disorder in this time when God's people were without a human king to rule over them. But the story of Ruth, although it's said at that time, is something of an exception. Because this story is a picture of peace and order and fulfilment of God's laws in provision for the poor, in women being given their rights and family members doing the right thing by each other. The widow, the orphan, the foreigner, 
are all properly looked after at a time when God alone is king over his people. The message is when God rules, when he rules in our hearts, in our lives, in our world, when our God is king, there's a harvest for everyone. The story, however, starts not with harvest, but with a famine in Bethlehem, which was kind of ironic because Bethlehem means house of bread. In other words, it was the bread basket for the surrounding region, but not this year. The basket was empty. There was a famine and things really must have been very bad because Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their family decided that the only answer really was to move somewhere new. They basically became economic migrants and they moved to the nearby country of Moab where there was food for them. But tragically, things didn't go well for Naomi. Her husband Elimelech died and soon after her two sons died. She must have thought it was a terrible mistake to have left Bethlehem after all. They'd moved to save their lives, not to lose them. Why, she must have been thinking, didn't we stay in Bethlehem? Poor Naomi was left a broken woman with her two Moabite daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. Now she's been away from Bethlehem ten years and all she'd known was loss. But back in Bethlehem things had got better. So Naomi decided to return. Alone, of course, because why should Orpah and Ruth come with her and themselves become foreigners in a strange land? The Moabites were traditional enemies of Israel. They were despised. They were outcasts. Why come with me, she said to her daughter-in-law. You won't really belong there and there's no guarantee I can find new husbands for you. Stay here in your own country. But these two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, they cared deeply, very deeply for Naomi. But Orpah eventually agreed to stay where she was. But Ruth said to Naomi, I will go with you. I'll stay wherever you stay. Your God will be my God. I'll take the risk of leaving my home country because that's how much I care for you. What amazing love and loyalty and compassion shown by Ruth in the midst of all of that hardship and sadness. In Bethlehem, it was harvest time. Naomi and Ruth possessed no land there, no livestock, nothing to sustain them. And so they began to pick the leftovers from the fields. At least Ruth did, because Naomi was too old to stoop and and pick up the grain. And people noticed, they noticed the kindness of this foreigner, Ruth, and how she cared for her mother-in-law. And in God's providence, she was led to glean from the fields of Boaz, a relative of Naomi's deceased husband. Now here in Boaz was a godly man, someone who knew how to treat his labourers well, especially poor ones, with kindness. He was moved by what he saw of Ruth's devotion to Naomi. He went out of his way to make sure that there were very generous pickings for her. 
and he also appreciated her desire to seek the God of Israel under whose wings she had come to take refuge. God provides for the weak in society and blesses those who do the same. Now, if Boaz had been an unscrupulous Western fat cat capitalist and harvested right to the edge of the fields to make maximum profit, Ruth would have found no help in his fields. There's lots to reflect on here, isn't there, as principles for the way that we conduct our businesses. But Boaz showed God's love by obeying God's law and even going beyond that. What was remarkable in this story and in God's plan was that Boaz was qualified under the law as a kinsman redeemer to take Ruth as his wife. Now what in the world was a kinsman redeemer you might say? Well in those days based on Deuteronomy 25 and 26 a relative of a man who dies should marry that man's widow in order to perpetuate his lineage through this woman and to secure the widow's financial security and welfare of the family who would otherwise be left destitute with no support. And whenever Ruth appealed to Boaz to redeem her and Naomi out of their poverty and loss, Boaz agreed to help and even offered to marry her if she would have him because he was already quite old himself. Think a little bit more about that. Boaz doesn't just let Ruth have the crumbs off his table but he invites her to eat with him. There he is, an established older man with a good position amongst his people, sitting down and eating with the outcast Moabites. A shadow, perhaps, of Jesus sitting down and eating with sinners and outcasts. Now, interestingly, Boaz wasn't the closest relative because we're told that there was someone nearer who had a prior duty to look after Ruth and Naomi and also a prior right to purchase Elimelech's property, but he hadn't come forward. Even so, Boaz met with him on good terms and he upholds the law by consulting him first in the presence of the elders and all works out well. So what would have been a harvest celebration became a double celebration. Not only was the grain safely gathered in, but there was a wedding feast. A wonderful surprise for Ruth and for her mother-in-law. A harvest beyond what they could have imagined. There's a real sense in this story that although the Old Testament laws are being fulfilled, those fulfilling them are going the second mile. They're going over and beyond what the law obliged them to do because these acts of loyalty and mercy and compassion are coming from the heart, a heart where God is reigning. They're acts of love, a real harvest of righteousness and justice that glorifies God by looking after the poor and the marginalised, those who have met with misfortune. And this kind of steadfast love and faithfulness is given a special name in the Bible, Hesed. Hesed means God's deep goodness expressed 
in his covenant commitment, his absolute loyalty, his obliging of himself to bring to fruition the blessings that he has promised, whatever it may cost him personally to do that. And Boaz showed that type of love, that hesed, to Ruth. His loving kindness cut into his profit, his time and his convenience. How does Ruth respond? Well, we saw that Ruth was risking her security and well-being to show loyalty and accompany her mother-in-law away from her country to Israel. But she was taking refuge under God's wings as a chick does under the wings of a mother hen. She appears to risk it all, but wisely she chose the most secure place of all. And look how all of those seeds of faithfulness and obedience are rewarded in this story, not just with a generous harvest for them in the present, but soon a son was born and that son had a son and that son had more sons and daughters. A whole field of wheat grew up from Ruth's family. And one of those great-grandsons turned out to be no other than King David. And even that isn't the end, because one of David's distant great-great-grandchildren turned out to be the most compassionate redeemer that ever lived, Jesus. You can see the name of Ruth, the Moabites, specially listed in Jesus' genealogy at the start of Matthew's Gospel. In these times that we're in, these times of famine for some, when we know that there will be economic hardship ahead, God wants us to show his hesed love. He wants to reign in our hearts so that we obey him with faithfulness and compassion and generosity, showing kindness to one another, especially to the stranger, especially to those beyond the doors of this church, especially to those in need. And we can be sure that our faithfulness and simple obedience in time of famine will bear fruit. We can be sure that the season of harvest will come again, just as God promised in the book of Genesis. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never cease. God himself guarantees that season of harvest. And where God is king, there is enough for everyone. Amen. Let us come now to God with our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Lord of the harvest, we commit ourselves to work for righteousness, for fairness, to be responsible stewards of all that you have placed into our care, to faithfully follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Lord, receive all that we have to offer to you, that all of this may become seeds of your grace in our world, that may reap a rich harvest that will last for eternity. We pray for those who are feeling this year like Elimelech and his family, that there's no harvest. For people who've lost their jobs, for families 
struggling to put food on the table and get by each week. Families who worry about Christmas. We pray for businesses struggling to keep afloat and for those who have had to close their doors. Lord, help them to get the help they need and to know the support and encouragement of family and friends and churches. Help them to hold out for the season of harvest to come again. We thank you, Lord, for all of those who work in supplying our needs. Farmers, food suppliers, hauliers, supermarket retailers, whose continuing work has been so essential to us in this time. Whose work we've come to appreciate more and more. We pray, Lord, for a secure future for them. And that after these uncertain times, there'll be more positive times ahead. We pray, Lord, for world leaders who have the power to make far-reaching decisions to reduce carbon emissions and assist populations vulnerable to the effects of global warming. Lord, give them compassion. Give them long-term vision. And give them courageous leadership, we pray. We pray for your blessing on communities and organisations around the world who offer hospitality and help to refugees and to those who are returning home. May they continue to know your blessing and reap not just a harvest that is reaped from the land, but a harvest of transformed communities and families and neighbourhoods. We pray for those who still do not get a fair price for the food that they grow and sell and so struggle to eat, to, to, to make ends meet. We pray for the many women who do so much of the work of harvesting but realise so little of the income and own so little of the land. God of the harvest, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are sick and lonely those who are recovering from surgery, those in hospital and those facing all kinds of difficulties and challenges and struggles, that they might know a harvest of healing and love and care and peace. We pray for our community and our church that through prayer and action we might be agents of change, the yeast of justice at work in our society and in our world. God of the harvest, hear our prayer. In Christ's name, Amen. And now may the God who gathers and scatters us as seed give us a harvest of peace sown in justice that everyone may have daily bread. And may the blessing of God, Almighty Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.